It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Harry Robertson from the Opinion and Analysis Desk. The 19th century saw competition among European powers vying to take profitable slices of the African continent. Today, says David Pilling, an arguably comparable dynamic has emerged as economically powerful non-Western countries like China, India and Turkey jockey for opportunities and influence in the region. Understandably, African executives object to the idea of a new scramble for Africa. And while many leaders see this as a great opportunity to boost growth, there are those who warn of the dangers of increasing foreign domination and corrupt governments controlling these vast sums. A Turkish company is generating part of Ghana's power supply. Another one just this month finished a flashy new terminal at the country's international airport. A Philippine utility is about to take over the running of Electricity Company of Ghana, the largest distributor in West Africa. Even Ghana's biggest flyover, named after liberation hero Kwame Nkrumah, was built by Brazilians. Ghana, one of the fastest growing economies in the world this year, is a tiny microcosm of forces that are radically reshaping Africa's interaction with the world. A new group of outside powers, from China to Brazil and from Russia to Turkey, is gaining a commercial and strategic foothold across a vast continent that was, until recently, dominated by former European colonial powers and the US. In what some have called a new scramble for Africa, these non-Western nations are sniffing out commercial opportunities and seeking to project themselves in a difficult but dynamic part of the world. While China has been taking the lead over the past decade, a host of other countries has begun to follow its path. Whether it is states from the Gulf and the Middle East jockeying for influence in the Horn of Africa, Chinese companies locking up cobalt assets vital for electric cars in the Democratic Republic of Congo, or India replacing the US as the biggest importer of Nigerian crude. All over Africa, new participants are making their presence felt. Africans understandably object to the idea of a scramble, with its connotations of the 19th century, when European powers squabbled for a slice of what Leopold II of Belgium called this magnifique gâteau africain. Instead, many regard wider interest in their continent as a golden opportunity to catalyse a different phase of development by breaking away from what they regard as the paternalistic or downright extractive relationships they had with traditional powers. Carlos Lopez, a development economist from Guinea-Bissau, says he has yet to meet an African leader who is not animated by the new possibilities opening up in an era that might be termed post-post-colonial. He says, It gives Africans much more room to manoeuvre, 
The level of ambition from leaders has gone up very much in response to these incentives to do more with infrastructure and financing and to dare defy Western pressure. They are finding it very exciting. The changing patterns of engagement, which have led Washington and Europe to reassess their stance towards the continent, are reflected in trade. China supplanted the US as Africa's biggest trading partner back in 2009. Last year, China-Africa trade was $170 billion, off its 2014 peak, but still nearly 20 times higher than at the start of the millennium. By contrast, US trade with sub-Saharan Africa was just $39 billion. Where China has led, others have followed. From a lower base, several countries have seen their exposure to Africa rise dramatically. Africa-India trade jumped more than tenfold from $7.2 billion in 2001 to $78 billion in 2014, making India Africa's fourth biggest trading partner, according to the UN Economic Commission for Africa. Between 2006 and 2016, the Brookings Institution calculates the value of African imports from Russia and Turkey rose 142% and 192% respectively. China has invested about $125 billion in African countries in the decade to 2016, according to the China-Africa Research Initiative at Washington's John Hopkins University. This month, some 40 African leaders travelled to Beijing to hear President Xi Jinping pledge $60 billion more over the next three years. Washington is watching this growing influence with alarm. Last year, China opened its first military base in the tiny country of Djibouti, adding to the presence of the US and others. Djibouti, now heavily indebted to China, is a prime example of what some US critics have labelled debt diplomacy, in which Beijing is said to be parleying loans into political influence. China has also been accused of using debt to take over entities in Zambia, including the National Power Utility. This August, several US senators wrote to Stephen Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, and Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, accusing Beijing of weaponizing capital in Africa, as well as Asia, by using debt to create an economic world order in China's image. The growing sense that the US is losing influence on the continent helps explain President Donald Trump's decision to back a big expansion of the Overseas Private Investment Corporation, a private sector-focused development agency whose lending limit is to be more than doubled to $60 billion. Legislation which has bipartisan support has already passed the House but is waiting Senate approval. Backers of the so-called Better Utilisation of Investments Leading to Development Build Act explicitly link it to national security and China's growing influence in Africa. Kwasi Prempe, Executive Director of the Centre for Democratic Development in Accra, argues Washington is still too focused on threats in Africa and not enough on opportunities. He says, The US continues to be a player, but it's caught in the post-Iraq era. Its policy is driven by the securocrats. Europe, too, has been slow to see Africa's potential, say critics, and is only now trying to respond to the advances made by other countries. Last month, Theresa May, the British Prime Minister, danced through a three-nation tour of Africa to drum up post-Brexit business and to assert Britain's relevance. 
Because of the historical presence of UK-listed companies on the continent, including large interests in oil and mining, Britain is still the second biggest investor in Africa in stock terms. It also remains a big aid donor. But what many drew from Mrs May's visit, which incredibly included the first by British Prime Minister to Kenya for 30 years, was how diplomatically disengaged London has become. Mark Malach Brown, a British diplomat and former Deputy UN Secretary General under Kofi Annan, says, Poor Mrs May really has a lot of catching up to do. In the early 2000s, he says, We started hearing complaints about what China was doing in Africa, grumbling from the British and the Americans. But my God, they have created a competitive spur to the rest. There are signs that, belatedly, Europe is waking up to the diplomatic and commercial challenge. Last year, Germany launched what it called a Marshall Plan with Africa, pledging public money to companies investing on the continent. German Chancellor Angela Merkel, while launching a scheme that has been slow to get off the ground, said, We are going to create more security for ourselves and we will put an end to trafficking. Mr Prempe says they are responding to a domestic constituency agitated about the influx of migrants. They're thinking, if we can get these countries to be economically viable, either through direct investment or aid, then maybe we can stem the flow. He points to a commitment by Volkswagen to assemble 5,000 cars in Ghana as an example of such efforts. Emmanuel Macron, France's president, has also sought to articulate a new vision for the continent. Stressing that he was born after African states had won their independence, he has urged a relationship shorn of colonial baggage. He has also stressed the commercial opportunities for French companies, including small and medium-sized ones, in the English and Portuguese-speaking parts of the continent, as well as in their traditional francophone stomping ground. But like Mrs Merkel, Mr Macron's motives for greater engagement are tinged with alarm. In a speech last December in Ouagadougou, capital of Burkina Faso, he warned of dangers that he said could irreversibly sweep away Africa's stability and also Europe's stability. Whether driven by fear or a sense of commercial and diplomatic opportunity, the wider variety of actors has presented African leaders with greater choice. This has allowed for competition in a way we never had it before, says Vera Songwe, Executive Secretary of the UN Commission for Africa. Part of the rising interest is opportunistic. Howard French, a professor at the Columbia School of Journalism and an expert on Africa, says, At the end of the Cold War, the West very much withdrew and stopped asserting its interests in Africa. It has taken all this time for the vacuum that this created to draw in a panoply of new players. China is the most obviously important, but Malaysia, India, Vietnam, Turkey, Brazil, Russia and the Gulf states have all been drawn in. He adds, I think something important is going on. In spite of Africa's well-documented problems, companies with a cheaper cost base than European or American rivals can often turn a good profit. Edward Effer, chairman of Ghana's Fidelity Bank, says... The Turkish decided years ago they wanted to do more business in Africa. They opened embassies, opened up export credit facilities and started more flights, referring to Turkish Airlines, which now operates routes to more than 40 African cities. 
Many businesses also see longer-term commercial prospects in the African demographics that are causing concern over migration in European capitals. From 2018 to 2035, the UN predicts that the world's 10 fastest-growing cities will all be African. With a median age of just 19, the continent's population is expected to double to more than 2 billion by 2050, and to double again by the end of the century. Even without a big improvement in living standards, the increase in numbers virtually guarantees robust growth for decades, and some African countries are showing signs of gaining economic momentum. Of the world's top 10 fastest-growing economies this year, according to the World Bank, six are in Africa, including Ethiopia, a country of 105 million people, where China, Turkey, and the Gulf states are all active. Several countries, including Turkey, where President Recep Tayyip Erdogan wants to break out of dependence on European markets, have seen the logic of greater engagement. Mr. Erdogan has visited 23 African nations since he became leader in 2003. Just this June, the United Arab Emirates provided Ethiopia with three billion dollars in aid and investments, helping to avert a foreign currency crisis. A month later, Saudi Arabia promised President Cyril Ramaphosa of South Africa $10 billion of investment, mainly in the power sector. Russia, hugely influential on the continent during the Cold War, is reasserting itself, striking military cooperation deals with the DRC, Ethiopia, Central African Republic, and Mozambique, and agreeing arms sales to Nigeria and Angola. Yevgeny Korendyasov, a former ambassador to several African countries, told the Financial Times, "We are well behind everyone, but it's temporary." All this new attention, whether motivated by fear of immigration or terrorism, or by commercial logic, is providing Africa with new opportunities, enabling governments to shop around for deals and play one suitor off against another. But there are pitfalls too. Civil society groups across Africa are seeking to keep their leaders in check, accusing many of cutting corrupt deals that are lucrative for them but bad for the country. Loans from China and other new arrivals often lack transparency, say critics, and the projects they finance cannot always make sufficient returns to pay back the underlying debt. Musongwe stresses the importance of striking good deals and sharing experience across the continent. She also says that the move towards a continental free trade area, signed in principle this year, will strengthen Africa's hand by creating the economic scale hampered by the balkanisation of the continent. Dismissing the idea of a scramble, she says. I would like to think that we on the continent know what we want and how we want it. Scramble sounds like the Wild West, but I don't believe the continent is in the Wild West phase anymore. We have moved towards clarity of purpose and objectives. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this Big Read podcast, you can subscribe on all the usual channels. If you're not already an FT subscriber, visit ft.com/offer for our latest subscription offers. This episode was produced by Harry Robertson. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 